you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, turn to the very beginning, Genesis 1. Be reading some of the verses out of there, not all of them, otherwise uh, we'll run a little long. (laughs) Uh, Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, as we study your word here today, I pray that you burden our hearts to strive for believing fully in the promises that you have given us. I just pray that you give us the assurance that your words are true. Give us that comfort, Lord, that you have dominion over the heaven and the earth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And if you'd like to skip down to verse 20. God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swam according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth be, bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kind. And it was so, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds, 
of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. You may be seated. Priscilla and I have been talking about me doing sermons on dominion, animal stewardship, plant stewardship, and what that command means. We've been talking about it at least a year, so I've been reading and rereading, studying, and uh, it contains a lot. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's a very inclusive statement. But it's a command to us, God's people, to have dominion. Subdue the earth. You know, and this was given before the fall. This was given to Adam and Eve before the fall. So it tells us there that Adam and Eve had tasks to do. I think one of the tasks, you know, we see where Adam named the animals. But they had a garden. They tended it. That's part of taking dominion. What that all included, I'm not sure. It doesn't give us a lot of information. But it would not be like work or toil. It would be a blessing. Man has always been created to be productive. Now we can say, well, that was a command given before the fall. Now we have the fall, so does that command still hold? Well, yes, it does, because in Genesis 9, we see a renewing of this plan, this covenant with Noah. It says there, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground, and all the fish of the sea, into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I give you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is its blood. And for your lifeblood, 
it will require a reckoning from every beast, and I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will requiring, require a reckoning for the life of man. So you can see that renewal, that includes us again. It's pretty much the, the same covenant, subdue the earth, take dominion, with a few changes. Now death is in the earth. Now there is the eating of animals. But there is a warning, all right, uh, in there. God will require a reckoning from every beast that is killed. There's a stewardship, a responsibility for the life of every animal and man. But this renewed covenant is with us as well. And again, you can see this entails a lot. And the more I read, the more ignorant I realized I am. So I read more and reread. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have a lot of answers or all the answers for many of the questions I will bring up. But I will bring them up anyway, because then you can ponder them as well. And have your children ponder them and your grandchildren ponder them, because that is what God commands us to do. Maybe we don't have the answer in ourselves, but maybe it's our children, our children's children, or the people we work with, or the people we educate. God's hidden treasures in his creation have not all yet been revealed. These answers will come to us, I believe, the more God takes dominion on this earth. I even struggled where to start with this, so I started at the beginning. Because I'll tell you, saints, if we don't get it right at the beginning, every message on this, well, actually every message we preach up here is futile. Because God takes dominion over his creation. And he sustains it. And we must grasp and believe that. And it's not that easy because of the waters we've been swimming in our whole lives with evolution trying to attack God directly that he's not the creator and I know for me I've heard that from young on particularly now we're swimming in the waters where God did not make them man and woman
that man thinks they can mutilate young children and young women to try to change them. That is man attempting to usurp God and take dominion. And when you go against God, it leads to death and destruction. We are his elect. We have the responsibility and inheritance. Matthew Henry states it this way, a large inheritance replenishes the earth. It is this that is bestowed upon the children of men. They're made to dwell upon the face of all the earth. This is the place in which God has set man to be the servant of his providence and the government of the inferior creatures. And as it were, the intelligence of this orb to be the receiver of God's bounty, which other creatures live upon but do not know it. to be likewise the collector of his praise in this lower world and to pay them into the epicure above. When we take responsibility and dominion and advance God's kingdom, find the treasures that God has given us on this earth to advance and benefit mankind, It demonstrates to mankind, lost man in particular, what a wonderful and grateful God we have. And it brings glory to God because then they will glorify the creator as well. Man will take worldwide dominion. It should even be part of our gospel message to the world now. The Apostle Paul understood this when he was speaking to the Athenians because he knew they did not have the basis that God was the creator God. Listen to what he says. The God who made the world and everything in it, this is from Acts 17, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. Paul affirms God is the creator. But also, he expounds even more. It is God who has determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of dwelling places. What he's saying there, it is God who has brought about the change, the evolution in mankind to go in different parts of the world. He opens up the boundaries. He sets it. 
and on an individual basis, it is determined by God that each one of us are here at this time of history, at this location. to advance God's kingdom, if we're believers, to participate in taking dominion of the earth at this time in history. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a privileged people to be participants in God's plan. God will take dominion and he uses mankind to do it. And we are here because of the determined will of God. And again, when we take dominion, when we advance God's kingdom, when we find those treasures hidden in God's creation that benefit mankind, and we praise God for those benefits, is having other people recognize the greatness of our God. Now we can look at great men and what they've achieved. And yes, many of them have taken dominion. But taking dominion means in our everyday lives, improving what we have, what God has given us being the best businessmen, having the best products, advancing and using things, coming up with plans and ideas that others have not. And this is all spheres of life. There is no restriction. God claims it all. It's his. In Psalm 145, it tells us, All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Yes, God will advance his spiritual kingdom, but he advances his physical kingdom along with it. They're united. And it's his saints. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. We're living in God's kingdom now. And we are to make it known to the children of men your mighty deeds. And it is to be the God's glory. We are commanded to advance God's kingdom here on earth. We are his ambassadors. And what we're going to be looking at is trying to See, the best way to do that, how do we do it? It starts that we must believe in God's word. 
right from Genesis 1, that God is the creator God. He takes dominion. He blesses men and uses men, his believers, and others, as Fursell's sermon a while back when he talked about the sons of Cain and the advancements in agriculture and ironworking or metalworking. God uses men to reveal his secrets in the earth, his blessings. Tells us in Psalm 24, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. It is our God who founded it, but he also founded us. He gives a particular blessing to his saints. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, there's no exceptions there. It's every good work. We should be the leaders in every field. We should take dominion in everything we put our hands to. We should encourage our children to enter whatever field God calls them into and pray that they advance and be the best that they can. You know, I'm sick of hearing this garbage that I heard my whole life that if you're a Christian, you can't be a scientist, that there's something separate. What a bunch of garbage. It's God's people who bring out God's creation. The hidden treasures in it. But again, that's the waters we've been swimming in. We've been attacked. That's why they attack the creator God. Evolution. Think about it. If they can destroy that, they've destroyed everything. It's the schemes of Satan. And it's terrifying the earth we live in right now. But that's nothing unusual for believers. Believers of the past survived it. I truly believe our nation is under judgment. We see such a push of this homosexuality and transgenderism. The scripture says that God turned them over to homosexuality. It's part of a curse when a nation strays away from God. God turned them over to it. We were living in days where I've seen things that I never thought I'd see, or arguments I never thought I'd argue. Where they're promoting the mutilation of children under 10 years old. We have been given the privilege of seeking out 
and advancing the blessings of God that God has placed in this earth. That's what subdue it means. Take the rough cut rock, subdue it, find the diamonds within it. Find the glories found in the hidden treasures. Then proclaim to mankind that is the blessings of God, the providence of God. All subjects. There's nothing that God does not claim. There should be nothing that we back down from. And again, we're swimming in waters that have attacked the providence of God by the so-called professionals, as long as I can remember. I'll give you just a few examples I grew up with. When I went to school, we were told there will be an ice age. Before we're 50 years old, the only place that will be inhabitable in the United States will be Florida and southern Texas. They said it with certainty. Now it's gonna, we're going to roast to death global warming. Going to melt the solar ice caps and Florida is going to be underwater. I saw pictures of spring break down there. They're not underwater yet. They said it with certainty. I used to fish Lake Michigan a lot. Lake Michigan went down. The water was low. What the experts say? It'll be a lifetime before the water comes back up. Two years later, my dad and I go up to Sturgeon Bay. We had to launch our boat in the middle of the parking lot. The water was so high. And they had sandbags on both sides of the channel. So a lifetime was two years. Up by Watoma, I read for years, the aquifer up there from all the irrigation is disappearing. They won't be able to grow a thing up there. There's a little lake I used to take the girls up. They'd swim and Chrissy and I would fish off the pier. And I keep hearing how the water's disappearing, disappearing. I thought, well, I didn't see much change in that lake. But I noticed when I was working with Gap, I didn't go there a while, and I'm seeing all these dead trees everywhere. And I thought, what's going on? And I looked closer, and they're all flooded. And I thought, well, there must be a bunch of beavers up here damming up the cricks in that. You know? Because surely the aquifer is draining. Well, I decided to stop and have lunch by that little lake that was supposed to be draining and drying up. The pier was gone. Water was up halfway up the ramp. The boathouse on the other side of the lake, I could see that much of it. But with certainty, they said, in our lifetime, that aquifer will never fill up. 
And I talked to a guy up there. He said, yeah, a few years ago, the water started coming up, and it just hasn't stopped. Because I asked him, I said, did you get in all the kind of rain? He says, no. Those aquifers come from miles away. And the reason I'm saying this is because experts will tell you this. And this is for the young people. Don't believe them. Believe God's word. No Christians can be scientists. None. We're flat earthers. You know, there isn't a believer around that ever believed the earth was flat because the Bible says the sphere of the earth. And when people say that to me, a derogatory term, I call them out on it now. I'm not nice to them anymore. I just Googled a few Christian scientists. You can do the same thing. It took a couple seconds. I'm going to go through some of them. Covers all spheres. All different works. I'm sure you heard of Robert Boyle. Listen to what he said. That deeper understanding of science was a higher glorification of God. And that's what many, most of these people said in their testimonies, these Christian scientists. Isn't it exactly what the psalm said? Deeper understanding of science was a higher glorification of God. They're finding the hidden treasures, the hidden nuggets in God's creation to benefit mankind. He defined elements, compounds, and mixtures, Boyle's law, the law on gas. Some of these things that I say, I don't even know what they, they mean. Maybe some of you will, maybe you won't. Antoine Lavoisier. 1700s, modern chemistry, oxygen's role in combustion and respiration, discovered the water compound is of hydrogen and oxygen. Leonard Ehlers, the son of a Calvinist pastor, he wrote religious texts for, text for calendars, and he published more mathematics than any other single mathematician in history. Much of it groundbreaking and brilliant. Michael Faraday discovered electromagnetic induction. That was in 1860, or he lived from 1791 to 1867. Discovered the light, the link between light and magnetism. Learned how to liquefy gas. Ronald Fisher. He unified evolution by natural selection with Mendel's rules of inheritance. Now you're saying evolution? Oh, you believe in evolution? You better believe in evolution. Micro evolution. Genetics, dogs, and various types of dogs. 
dogs evolving into different types of dogs through breeding. But they're always dogs. You never get a cat. That's macro evolution. But this guy understood genetics. And he set the table for the concept of variance, how these various animals were bred and bred. And there still are genetics, but the thing is, microevolution is taking things away. You'll never have a Great Dane come from a Chihuahua. That genetic stuff has been lost. Bernard Raymond, general relativity, relativity, relativity. He proved that that it was right. Notice again, all these different fields. George Lemaitre space, discovered space and the universe expanding and discovered the Hubble's law. Isaac Newton. We know him, he was the father of science. Did you know he spent more time on Bible study than he did on math and physics? Charles Towns, this guy, he died in 2015. He was the inventor of the laser. He wrote books talking about linking of science and religion. Mary Anning discovered the first complete specimen of the Pleosaurus. And also dinosaur diets through the study of the petrified droppings. William Globs, chemical thermodynamics. John Dalton, God's laws relating to temperature, volume, and the pressure of gases. Frederick Goss, the Fourier transform. Goss's law and Goss's law of magnetism. Charles Barclay. He was a Methodist who believed science was part of God of his quest for God's discovery that atoms have the same number of elements in their atoms. X-rays emitted excited atoms, or fingerprints for the atom. But again, to serve God, that was his intent. George Washington Culver. He pretty much revolutionized and saved the South with his discoveries of different plants for adding nutrients back into the soil, a soil that had been depleted by the use of cotton. He was also a Bible class leader. And his plants, as great books, great tape that I lost. Christy's still mad at me about him. Great Christian man. 
This guy, Francis Collin, he was an atheist, a turned Christian. He discovered the genes for cystic fibrosis, Huntington's disease, and others. Notice again, these are advancing God's kingdom for the benefit of mankind, these discoveries. Ernest Walton, he was a Methodist. The scientist, and he said, the more you know of science, you know more of God. He was a Nobel Prize winner in physics. Florence Nightingale. She felt God called her. She felt God spoke to her. And she trained on hygiene through statistics and analytic analytic process that advocated and advanced sanitary conditions. Her reforms, even the non-believers credit her for, for giving life expectancies over 20 years more when her reforms were put in place. You know, in 1900, life expectancy for people was 47 years old. I think it was 45 for men, 47 or 48 for women. Now it's 89, 79. But that is the blessings from God. Finding the hidden treasures to benefit mankind, to give them longer life on the earth. Florence Nightingale was a great part of that. J.J. Thompson, mass spectrometer he invented. That way you can identify different elements. Those are on the Voltar. Volta. It should give you a, a hint what he did. He invented the electric battery. He isolated methane. Many of these guys did many things. Pascal, we know of him. Hydraulic press, mechanical calculator. Kelvin, he was an elder of the Free Church of Scotland. Codified the first two laws of thermodynamics, among other things. He also invented the equipment for the first transatlantic telegraph. Charles Babbage, first general computer. You see, when they tell you that you can't be a scientist and a Christian, what a bunch of garbage it is. Humphrey Davy, 
said that God's design was revealed by chemical investigations. He discovered chemical bonding, discovered many of the elements, chlorine, iodine, Borium, boron, calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium, stronium, and he invented the safety lamp. Arthur Eddington, proposed that stars, light came from atomic fusion, nuclear fusion. And he verified also the general theory of relativity. Ambos Fleming, electric motors and generators, vacuum valves. Again, this all advances mankind. Samuel Morse, a Calvinist, you got to watch out for them. He funded lectures considering the relationship of Bible and science. He invented the single wire telegraph and the Morse code. John Eccles. More on biological evolution and winner of a Nobel Peace Prize in physiology and medicine. How could they give that to a Christian? Christians are flat earthers and don't know anything. People, we have to understand the waters we swim in and the waters we swim in our whole life. And we have to be discerning people to know what is garbage and what is not garbage. Follow the money, follow the power, and you'll probably find most of the reason why things are pushed that are ungodly and not true. The big thing now, like I say, global warming, now you can say, yeah, we had an awful heat spell this past couple days. We did. And the globalists and the God-haters are just touting how global warming, this is a sign of it. Man's destroying the earth. Maybe they should have mentioned the, the volcano at, I think it's Volga, that happened in late 2020. Underwater volcano. Didn't hear much about it. Not many people killed. Few people killed from the tsunami that it created. Huge volcano spewed ash and water vapor because it was under the ocean when it erupted. Tons and metric tons and tons and tons of ash and water into the atmosphere. And I've been reading on that, and they say, yeah, it's probably going to cause some warming of the earth because of the 
what the dust particles do to the light and that. But the big concern is the water vapor. Because the water vapor went up to the stratosphere. That's going to stay there a while. And they say the big problem is that may cause global cooling. When that, I forget when it happened in the past. Crop production was less. There was starvation. See, global warming is not the problem. The cooling is more of a problem. But you have to be, dig deeper and be more discerning. Satan and his schemes, they come as an angel of light. We have the answers. We have the solutions. Now did you know your gas stoves are killing you? After what, hundreds of years of using them, they don't want you to use them anymore. It's a bunch of garbage. What I need to t- you to take away from this introduction to this, we'll go into more of these in the future. We must settle it in our hearts. In spite of all the waters we're swimming in, that God created the earth. He sustains it. And contained in that creation is the ability to provide for God's created animals and people the food and comforts for all generations until he returns. The potential is there. God said he came to give us life and life abundant. We must trust in that promise. Man can screw it up and does screw it up. The potential is there to take care of mankind and God's creation because God has determined the boundaries of men, where they will go, how many there will be. And he said his creation is good, very good. It fell. We may not be very good anymore, but it's still a good creation. We live in a fallen world. And we are his image bearers and are given the ability and the wisdom, if we seek it out, to add to the abundance of his creation. To find those hidden nuggets, we have to be faithful stewards. And our intention that we should be a blessing to all mankind. That we're there to improve the human condition. And because of the fall, there is always a trade-off now.
If you turn a forest into farmland, you've given up the forest, but you have farmland. We have to be wise in those trade-offs. Seeking out the best scenario. And unfortunately, because of the fall, we will not get everything right the first time. Errors will be made. We're a fallen race, a fallen people. But our God is perfect, and he created a very good creation. And we must trust in him that he provides for all his creatures. Like it says in Genesis, he's given us the grass for all his creatures. What he's saying there in a general, general statement is there's food enough to go around. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, as we, we start to look at stewardship, I pray for, pray for wisdom and guidance for myself as I study on this more and more. And, but I just pray that you give us the, the open minds to look beyond the waters we've lived in and the waters we've swim in to look at the big picture, your big picture, that you're a big God. You created everything and you sustain it. And also, Lord, teach us to be people of discernment that we ask, is this really true? What's the motivation? Many men are well-intended but wrong, and some are just ill-intended and try to deceive men. We must stand on your truth and your promises, Lord. We are to benefit mankind, not only in a spiritual way, but also in a material way. I just pray that some people in this congregation find those golden nuggets that God has not yet revealed that benefits mankind. And they will add to the list of these many Christian scientists who sought out to glorify you through their work, and they did. Teach us to be such a people. Amen.